0: This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 110 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Shimon Key. Thanks for joining me today. I wanted to take this opportunity to invite you to join me in a free masterclass. I'm talking about evening eating, which is the bane of most of the physicians I work with existence. You know how it feels like you can do reasonably well with following a healthy diet through the day when you're busy and distracted at work. And then all of a sudden you get home, finally have a chance to relax and your brain won't let up about the different food choices and you find yourself rummaging through the cupboard yet again and not sure why that's happening. Well, I know why that's happening and I can teach you. And in this free masterclass, I'll teach you the three tools I use with my clients to help find lasting solutions to evening eating. And the fantastic thing is... None of them are about just using more willpower when you want to eat in the evening. They're about actually correcting the underlying causes of the evening eating. So the urge to overeat in the evening just settles down and starts to disappear. I'd love to see you there. I'm offering multiple dates, so it'll work with different schedules. But just head over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash end evening eating, all one word. And you can register for the free masterclass. We'll see you there. Okay guys, I have exciting news today. As of last night when I'm recording this, the downloads on this podcast crossed the 100,000 mark. And I just want to thank everybody that's listened over the years and that has been part of that. To me, that's a really big milestone number. (laughs) And I've had a few different milestone numbers, and it's kind of been fun reflecting back on them today is like I remember the first hundred, and that felt like a really big deal that a hundred people would actually download my podcast. And then I remember when I hit ten thousand and I was like, Whoa, ten thousand times this has been downloaded. So now to hit a hundred thousand, I just I'm really honored that you have trusted me and that you continue to trust me and listen to this podcast. And it's been my pleasure talking to you over these past two years. In honor of the 100,000 downloads, if you know somebody who might benefit from this podcast, could you please share it with them? It's the best way for podcasts to get out and spread is for people just to spread it through word of mouth. And I would totally appreciate that. Today in this episode, we are talking about how using your own power and reclaiming your own power will transform your weight loss. And I came to the idea for this podcast on reflecting from my interview with Dr. Toomer a few weeks ago, so you could check back, that was episode 107. And what really impressed me with the interview with Dr. Toomer is how when she Encountered significant health issues, she was really able to claim ownership of her own power to make changes. And it started me thinking about how often we've been taught to give that power away or to not recognize our own power, and how that giving the power away can actually be part of what can be holding us stuck and what can slow our progress to where we want to be and slow our progress to the goals that we want to reach. And how part of long-term weight loss and managing stress and binge eating is claiming that power back and owning that power for yourself and then using it to accomplish what you want to accomplish in your life. And the beauty of this is that when you approach it this way, yeah, you can transform your eating, but it reflects into so many other areas of your life as well. So if you start owning your power and using your power to be really intentional with what you want to do with your personal goals and your physical goals or your weight loss goals, things like that, those skills are then transferable to pretty much anything else. So you can then transfer those skills over to other areas of your life and shift where the power is or where you experience the power, I should say, in other areas of your life and start moving towards goals that you might not have thought of in other areas. And I think that's really cool. And I've seen that happen in my own life and that figuring out my own eating and my own weight loss is ultimately what led to me being able to sit and do this podcast. I never would have had the confidence or kind of the gumption to actually sit and speak publicly about this if I hadn't done the work of actually owning the power that I did have in the weight loss and really truly learning about myself and my weight so that I could actually speak openly about it. As we'll talk about the diet culture, it really teaches us very disempowering thoughts. And when I was stuck in that place in my own journey, I never would have spoken about this. I never in a hundred million years would have pictured sitting and talking openly about things that my brain just really wanted to eat and the areas I struggled. And yet it's through Deciding to own that and use that and view my power within that history of having that struggle that has allowed me to help so many of you and allows me to continue with this podcast and keep going week after week and come up with new ways of thinking about it and new topics. So let's talk about owning your power. And I think the place that we need to start is where did we lose our power? Where did it go? If you think about it, when we're first born, picture yourself at two, or if you've had recent interactions with a two-year-old, picture a two-year-old. They squarely believe they own the power, right? You only have to encounter a two-year-old that says no to recognize where they see the power being. And so we start off recognizing where our own power is. At some point we lose it or it goes astray. So maybe we don't lose it in all areas of our life, but I would argue in weight loss and related areas, for a lot of us, we've become disempowered. And that disempowerment holds us with where we are. It makes us less likely to reach and push ourselves, less likely to believe in ourselves. And then we get stuck. And when we're stuck, the interesting thing is that we blame ourselves for being stuck. We don't see that it's actually just kind of where the power differential in our lives is and the things that we've been taught that is actually making us get stuck. When it works well, we totally give the credit to things outside of us. When it's not working well, then we want to own all that blame. And that's an interesting dynamic that if it's going on in your life, you may want to just build awareness of and kind of watch with some curiosity to see if you actually want to keep that dynamic. So how have we been disempowered? Well, diet culture teaches us and the diet industry teaches us that weight loss is something we look for outside of ourselves, that there's an answer out there. And if we haven't been successful in our weight loss, it's probably just we haven't found the right answer. And the right answer often being like you just haven't found the right diet, or you just didn't restrict your macros in the right way, or you haven't done the right exercise plan. And that's how it's marketed to us and how it has been marketed to us throughout our life. So we end up internalizing this, that the answers for our weight don't lie within, they lie outside of us. And so that means then that we're passing the power to those things that are outside of us, rather than holding it for ourselves. And along those lines, we're taught to doubt ourselves. We're taught through diet culture and even through medicine to doubt ourselves when it comes to weight loss. We're taught to not reach too far. And I see this with a lot of physicians I work with is that they often come to me with a thought of maybe this is as good as it gets. Maybe I can't lose any more weight or maybe I shouldn't try because we are taught and even in obesity medicine that really most people are only going to sustain a small percent of their body weight loss. And so if we can even get people to lose 5% of their body weight, that's a success And that'll improve their health outcomes. And that's true. Like, I'm not arguing with that. However, that data doesn't apply to an individual. And yet we let it apply to us as individuals. So we pass the power to that population data and we say, well, maybe it would be wrong for me to try to lose the amount of weight I actually want to lose. Maybe it would be wrong for me to reach for that goal that really scares me, but excites me. And so again, that's passing the power away to something outside of us that we don't have control over. We're taught that failure lurks around every corner. So when it comes to losing weight, again, even in the medical literature and, and our medical teaching, we're taught that most people aren't going to be successful. We're taught that it's routine to quote unquote fail with the diet. And again, when we hold on to that belief, it means there's something about the diet. So something outside of us, it's outside of our control that leads us to quote unquote fail. And that can be very disempowering. Like if you're putting a lot of effort into following a new way of eating, into managing your eating, and yet you're thinking most likely I'm still going to fail, you probably will because of the belief system that you have with that. Because you're feeling like the power of whether you fail or not is something external to you. It's not internal. And the other piece with that is that the definitions of failure are external and fixed in some ways. So we're taught that there's a right way to lose weight and there's a wrong way. There's a right way to follow a diet and there's a wrong way. You're either on or you're off. And so there's external definitions of what failure might mean. And we define our actions and we define our success or our movement towards our goals in reference to these external definitions that nobody ever writes down, nobody ever defines clearly. And yet we hold ourselves to some invisible standard. And we tell ourselves, yeah, I'm losing weight, but it's not fast enough. It's not good enough. It's not from the right place in my body. We tell ourselves, yeah, I'm losing weight, but I'll probably start to gain it again soon. All of these thoughts are part of this training that we've had that again passes the power outside of our control. So if we think this isn't fast enough, that it doesn't match some sort of external definition of success, and so therefore we're not doing it well enough, That doesn't really put you in control of it. It doesn't really let you own the power of it. It's letting something outside of you, even though it's a nebulous thing like expectations of what success or failure is, it's letting it dictate how you feel about what's happening in your own body. We're taught that the only way to feel adequate is to be told by external sources So we're raised and medical school does a really good job of this. And the years before medical school, when you're getting the grades so that you can hopefully get into medical school, it teaches you to focus on external validation. And then what happens is we finish medical school, we go out into practice and there's no more external validation. Nobody is really ever telling us that we're doing a good enough job. So we start to question it and we're still waiting for some unknown external source to give us that information that we're doing a good enough job. So we're passing the power of deciding whether we're doing a good enough job to something outside of us that doesn't actually exist. And then when we don't get responses back, we kind of make it mean that maybe we're not. And that's where imposter syndrome comes in. So we wait for external validation. We don't hear any external validation because it just doesn't exist. So then we wonder if that actually means that we're not doing a good enough job. And if we were doing a good enough job, we would still be getting that external validation. So again, all that power is moved outside of you and put out into the external realm (laughs) to something that just isn't even there. We're taught that when things are hard, it means something about us. That if we're struggling with something, like we're struggling about our weight, must mean something about us. But when things are easy and go really well, It must mean something outside of us. It must mean that we were lucky, that it was a chance, that the diet we decided to follow just was really good. And so again, we hold on to the ownership there where maybe we don't need to, but then when things go well, we pass the ownership and we pass the power out into the world instead of holding on to it. So what does owning your own power mean? I think owning your own power means to wholeheartedly believe in your ability to create change in your life. Whatever change that is, whatever you want to work on, believing that you have the capacity to change the things that matter to you. That's owning your own power. And then making decisions from a place of what you can control in a compassionate way. So owning your power in recognizing that there are things you can control, but there are things you can't control. And so focusing on modifying the things you can control, but in a way that's actually compassionate and kind to yourself. Sometimes we use the things we can control or what we perceive we should be able to control against ourselves. And we use it not as a compassionate tool to exact change in our life, but we use it as a club (laughs) to beat ourselves with or something to show ourselves that we're not measuring up because we think we should be able to control it. I've spoken on this for so long, but if you approach anything from a compassionate and kind place for yourself with curiosity, you're going to go so much further than when you try to just strong arm yourself into changes. And yet we're taught that we should just be able to strong arm ourselves into changes. So let's talk about how to own your own power. Number one is recognize that the place your power exists is in your thoughts. So we have circumstances in our life. Like, let me use the example of the scale's not moving fast enough. So the scale reads a certain number today, and it read a certain number the day before, and the day before that. Those are facts. Those are circumstances in our lives. When I have a thought, it's not moving fast enough, that makes me feel disempowered or like a failure or defeated. And that then affects my actions. Because I'm taking actions from a state of feeling disempowered. So my actions might be, I do the exact opposite of what I think will actually make the scale move. I start snacking more. I start having more treats because I feel, what's the point? I can't make a difference anyways. That's the disempowerment. If I'm owning my own power and I step on the scale and I see the number in a direction that I don't think it's moving the way I want it to, but I think just something slightly different, like maybe I need to problem solve this or I can be patient and give my body time, or I'm going to figure this out. All of those thoughts are more empowering. They're more about me holding the power and recognizing where I can exert control, which might be my behaviors, and where I can't exert control, which would be what my body does with those behaviors and how quickly the gravitational pull on earth changes in a day. So holding that power by shifting your thoughts. When you're watching your thoughts, watch for when it wants to give the power away. And watch how that feels when your brain wants to give the power away. And then see if you can choose a thought that actually lets you hold the power. No matter what the circumstance is, it generally will feel better if you choose a thought that allows you to hold your own power within it. Now that doesn't mean you control everybody, that you think in a way that you can control everybody. Again, it's holding the power for your own actions and your own feelings. That's what matters in how you feel. Number two is choose to actively believe in yourself no matter where you're at. We often want to wait to believe in ourselves until we have evidence that it's okay to believe in ourselves. And yet when we do that, we may never get that evidence or we may get the evidence and we may not notice it. We may either ignore it or we may kind of poo-poo it when we see it because we are not using thoughts that allow us to see it and allow us to believe it. So you don't have to wait for any evidence. You don't have to wait for a certain size. You don't have to wait for a certain number on the scale. You don't have to wait for certain behaviors before you believe in yourself that you can do them. The place to start is with believing in yourself. And this sounds really simple, but I want to say that again, because it is so incredibly important. The place to start is in believing with yourself. If you believe in yourself and you practice just believing in yourself, no matter what, You'll get where you want to go. The actions you need to take to get where you want to go will become so much easier when you believe in yourself. Don't wait for the evidence. Don't wait for permission. Just believe in yourself now. That's part of owning your own power in that, that you're allowed to. There's no belief polices. There's nobody can tell you you can or can't believe a certain thing about yourself. You get to choose. So choose the ones that work for you. Number three, embrace the fact that you Are the expert in your own body. And you're actually the only expert of your body. I think, particularly as physicians, we want to look to the evidence. We want to look to the books and the experts, the medical experts about what we should do to care for ourselves. And I think it's really good to arm yourself with education. However, just like every time you give an individual patient a medication, we're doing an experiment with an N of one, as we were all taught in medical school. When you're making changes in your own life, you are doing an experiment with an N of 1. And so you are the only person that has access to all that data. And you have access to such extensive data through the lived experience of the different things you've tried, which makes you an expert in your own body. When we're living through the diet culture disempowering way, we think we don't have the answers. We don't know what's right for our body because we've struggled for so long. But you actually do. And if you don't know what's right for your body right now, you can figure it out. You can do those experiments. You can learn things that are interesting to you and try them out. Like if you haven't tried lower carb eating, and so you don't know if it's the right thing for you, then try it and see what happens to your body. See how you feel. See what your hunger's like. See how you enjoy the food. All those aspects of it that help you decide if it's actually a sustainable option for you. So... Owning the fact that you are the only expert of your body. I find this is particularly important when we're working on something like weight loss. And maybe if we go back to that thought of things aren't happening as quickly as they should, because our brain starts looking for ideas outside of what we're doing. And it starts to think that maybe that person that posted on social media knows something we don't, and that we should be listening to them. And this part of owning your own power is recognizing other people on the internet can say whatever they want, and they're the experts in their own bodies, but you're making the best decisions you can in the moment for your own body. And you may decide to try the experiment of what that other person is talking about in a like conscious kind of way. That's owning your own power of going, okay, that's interesting. I think I'd like to try it versus I'm doing this and I must be doing it wrong. So I should switch to that. And then when you're in that mindset, you end up just doing this big zigzags across (laughs) Lifestyle changes, and you don't have a chance to actually learn and figure out what actually will work. So, it's the patience and the trust that you actually do know or you are capable of figuring out what's right for your body and what will work for your body. And maybe you haven't sorted it all out yet, but that doesn't mean you won't sort it all out. Number four tip for how to own your own power is actively question those disempowering beliefs. Even if they feel like fact, actively question them, look at them and decide if they're working for you. And if they're not, choose to disregard them. So just because you've had a belief for a long time does not mean you have to continue to believe it. You don't have to hold on to it. We have to feel like we should because somebody told us that at some point. But as an adult, you actually get to make that decision. You can decide if it's a belief that's helping you or if it's a belief that's holding you back. And the ones that are holding you back, you can just thank them and let them go free. And then when they pop up in your brain another time down the road, you can just look at them and go, oh, okay, it's you again, but that's okay. I don't believe you anymore. So actively question those disempowering beliefs that I talked about at the beginning. Notice them and watch for them in your life. Ask yourself where beliefs that disempower you are showing up, where they're holding you back so that you can weed them out like weeding in a garden. So to summarize how to own your own power, and remember that the definition of owning your own power is the believing wholeheartedly in your ability to create change in your life. So owning your own power is to recognize that your power is in your thoughts. You don't wait for somebody to give you power. Your power exists or is given away in how you think. Number two is to choose to actively believe in yourself no matter where you are at in your journey. You don't have to wait for evidence to believe. Believe first and create the evidence. Embrace the fact that you are the expert in your own body. Nobody else is. It's just you. And if you haven't figured it out yet, you have the power to figure it out. And number four, actively question the disempowering beliefs. They can be so subtle. They can be so embedded that it can take some time to find them all and you'll still be surprised by them. But know that just because they're there doesn't mean they're true and doesn't mean you need to keep them you can choose whether or not you want to keep them. All right, I would love to hear how you're going to apply these tips to your life. Which ones resonated with you and which ones do you think you'll apply first? Where are you going to take back your own power? And I would love to see you live in one of the free masterclasses, the end evening eating. There'll be an opportunity at the end of them for you to ask me questions and get all your personal questions about stress or emotional eating answered. And so I'd love to see you there. The link is weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash end evening eating. And end evening eating is all one word. All right, thank you so much for listening, everyone. I appreciate you taking the time. Have a happy holiday season, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.